The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant, 7 to 10 a.m. Beautiful stuff. We're going to dedicate that one to Freddie, our truck driver. As he says, don't drive all night and all day because uh, sleep deprivation can really cause great tragedies. So... Black Coffee and also David Guetta featuring Delilah Montague with Drive and a great song to crack into with our second here or second hour here on the JSB. So the Inglulamiti scenarios, uh, the 2035 scenarios, were launched for 2035. Like what could South Africa, what will South Africa or could South Africa look like in 2035? Now, just to declare my interests, I sit on the Board of Trustees for the Inglulamiti scenarios, but we thought it was a great story to talk about with regards to how the world works when we talk about scenarios and indeed how we could imagine South Africa in different scenarios with regards to 2035. On the line is Tolelwa Kashe Katia. She's the project lead of the Ndlulamiti South African scenarios. Tolelwa, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Michelle, and thank you for inviting me, and good morning to your listeners at home. So first of all, let's uh, explain what is a scenario, because it's not necessarily saying this is what the country would look like. A scenario really does imply diverse possible stories. Yes. I mean, scenarios are not predictions and they're not uh, necessarily options that we could take as a country. But based on what we know now and based on insights from experts, from various people who work in different areas of our society, then that is combined with research so that we can then determine uh, various pathways that are likely for the country, and those will be based on where we are right now, but also in terms of just insights on those who know who are already working in various spaces, and then we will then augment that with risk so that we can determine the numbers and form various... Okay, Tulelwa? Right, we seem to have lost Tulelwa. We'll try and get her on the line again to talk about those different scenarios. Because what are the different scenarios? How many are there? And uh, how do we make decisions on what we know? That's what we're going to ask. Don't forget, if you do have questions for her, then now is the time to start sending them through either as a WhatsApp on 0614104107 or you can SMS on 41391. Send those questions through as we talk about the scenarios. Golelwa, you mentioned that there are more than one scenario. So I suppose the question is, in simple terms, how would one go about deciding which scenarios you would be looking at for a year? So we're looking at 2035. What could South Africa look like in 2035? How would you make those uh, decisions, how would you do the research on it, and what do you come up with? Um, okay, so in any scenarios uh, process, you already you always start with a key question. So there has to be a question that you want to answer about the future. So our key question around was, what would South Africa look like in 2035? And this is a very broad question, unlike the first scenarios of 2018, where we were looking specifically at to what extent 
who will find social cohesion in the country. But it seems the problems become bigger, especially with the impact of COVID-19. So we were interested in that question, and they would develop a set of sub-questions based on that. And it would be questions such as, you know, uh, what have we done before that has worked? Why did we not do that? What is uh, What do you imagine a day in 2035 to look like? And these questions are posed to economists, they pose to scientists who've been working on academics, uh, uh, for example, young people uh, who are, we are very concerned uh, with, but also various sectors, the creative industries, business, captains of industry, and, and academics, and so on. So those then once they respond to, we then process them and code them to find the key words, the key features that are emerging, and those then lead us to statements about 2035. And those statements, then we call them key variables. For example, a lot of statements would be talking to, you know, that there's um, uh, these unknown new security threats that are both internal and external, uh, there would be those that uh, speak to how the economy will continue being impacted on by, you know, global changes, something that's happening at the moment. Then take all those, and this time around, get about 26 such statements. And then we we'll bring everybody we've engaged with, and then we rank them. People determine which would be the most impactful. Okay, Unelwa, I'm going to ask you, I'm not sure if you're moving around, but I'm going to ask you, we have to go to a break, but if you could just go to a break, um, we'll go to the break, and if we can, we're going to try and get you on a better line, because I want to now find out what are the three possible scenarios that have been offered as an option with regards to the Ndlulamitis. The Jet Set Breakfast, music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. We like to offer new things, new suggestions, new ideas, new focuses on the world, new thoughts about South Africa as we move forward. Now, this week, uh, the Ndlulamiti South Africa 2035 scenarios were launched, raising the question of what could, would, will can South Africa look like in 2035? And one has to use all of those words, will, could, can, <laughs> should, because there are more than one option. There's more than one scenario as as we look at 2035. Gulelwa Kashe is the project lead of the Ndlulamiti South Africa scenarios. Gulelwa, apologies, uh, the line was a bit cracky, but we're hoping that it works now. You've come up with three different scenarios. Give us the basic insights into those three scenarios. Well, um, the three scenarios that we came up with are named uh, after birds, which is quite a, a full circle moment because you will recall the first scenarios that were written for the country before the democratic transition in 1994 also used birds. So in a way, we're referencing that. So the first one is the Hadida home. And now you know Hadidas. Uh, I'm sure all of us right now, it's morning. It's that very loud noise that you hear and you hate in the morning. And it's these large, scary birds that are usually on your lawn. And I mean, these are quite interesting birds because they migrate according to 
uh, human, uh, you know, uh, human activities as we urbanize, because they were in the in the coastal areas before, and you would have noticed if you were living inland, they suddenly appeared. So as we urbanize, so they moved. So also you have to look at those characteristics to actually imagine the kind of a nation. So if we're an Hadida nation, it's a loud nation, it's a recrimination nation. Blame game is the order of the day. It's a national sport. We're blaming this one. We're blaming the politicians. We're blaming business. Everyone is just shouting and screeching and making noise. And we are all moving into these um, lagers, you know, according to uh, tribal uh, association. Graft increases as a, a critical infrastructure. As critical infrastructure crumbles. So you know what you're seeing now with the construction cartels, it, it, it extends in the Hadida nation where water supplies are erratic, but you've got these amadas, private uh, criminal amadas that are running uh, things and uh, social trust is broken down completely and the stance is a defensive stance. Walls are very high, basic goods are commonly stockpiled because we're all just trying to be all grumpy and protect those who are, we, we will consider as our own. So that is what happens in the Hadida nation. There's unease, there's this foreboding, gathering and incessant noise, just like the Hadidas. Okay, so that's the first one. So you have three scenarios. So the Hadida home yes. or the recrimination nation talks to temperatures, prices, tempers, rising people living in enclaves protected by private uh, p- uh, private companies and, and private protection companies, but it could get even worse. It could go to the vulture culture, which is the des- yes. desperation nation. Talk to us about that. Now, you know, vultures in their nature, they're scavengers, you know, uh, and these we're talking now about a scavenging nation. Both domestic and foreign scavengers seem to get hold of the country ripping the skin of the carcass which is you know what remains of our country so what we see here is a you know there's this uh repression by the state you know the there's a, a liberal right of center coalition that took power uh, in, in in 2024 that came through that through a very fragile populist coalition so now you will notice in all the scenarios there's different forms of coalitions but with what we see here is the spoils that remain of office and the budget and soes are carved just like the 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 vouchers would and they would be you know left for those who are connected and uh, they are able to do so you know to decamp south africa's uh, booming neighboring countries and further afield so what we see here in this uh, um, uh, 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 scavenging vulture culture is that there's a fiscal catastrophe that looms in South Africa as we borrow from anyone willing to extend credit to a point where you know many South Africans go to bed hungry at least for one day a week. So it's a vulgar culture that grips the nation. Life is very hard for uh, ordinary South Africans, while the vultures grab whatever they can just for you know, just as vultures would do and push away everybody else. You know, even though there's some, you know, good moments there within the vulture culture where there's discovery of gas and oil reserves, but even those, the scavengers go for them. And these scavengers are not just the local ones. We also find that our position in the world also leads to foreign scavengers coming in to fill their own pockets. 
So, you know, if I listen to what you say about the Hadida home, the recrimination nation, the vulture culture, which is the desperation nation, as two possible scenarios, and we'll get to the third in a moment, what strikes me is that not everything is that far. I mean, it feels like the future is now. The future is in the present. If these are scenarios for 2035, it feels very close to home right now. Yes, that's correct, because we are already you know, there. So this is the starting point. And you will recall in the last round of scenarios, we, after measuring through the barometer, we had found that we are in the Guara Guara space, which is a state of lawlessness, you know, with a citizenry that's uh, disengaged, that's uh, feeling disillusioned, there's lack of trust, and the shadow states that are being formed. And this is where we are right now. So we are moving from that. I mean, what so that's was, why it sounds so negative. It, I mean, what was terrifying about the last scenarios is that you had these three uh, uh, scenarios all named after a different type of walk. And ultimately, the very worst one was the Guaraguara one. But it got so bad. In fact, it's so much further than Guaraguara that you had to create a fourth scenario called Guaraguara Plus. Yes, uh, a GG Plus emerged specifically during... Uh, the lockdown period uh, with the advent of uh, COVID-19. And we noticed that some of the key drivers were intensified. And you will recall that what pushed us to that Guaraguara nation in the state of lawlessness in the beginning was the inequality. And that's a social inequality because we are so unequal in how we experience services, in terms of our location, in terms of gender, age, and so on. So that took us there. And now, during COVID, that inequality intensified and we found ourselves in the GG plus space, which entails variables that we never even imagined before. And that's why we had to go to the drawing board and refresh and to extend the timeline by five years to see how how, how much further this can go. So these are the storylines that are coming now from that baseline. So we're going to close off with the less gloomy of the three scenarios for 2035. The one is Weaver Work, the cooperation nation, and that's the third scenario. We've had the Hardidal, we've had the Vulture, and now we have the Weaver, which of course talks so much to the idea of community and building, etc. Yes, just like the Weaver birds. I mean, we know those, they build these elaborate nests, you know, and they're very industrious. And if the nest is not perfect, they will tear it down and then build another one. The Kalahari social weaver especially, they cooperate because you find that like several birds would create these large nests that would uh, actually be inhabited by hundreds of other birds. And these are very sturdy structures, you know, and they do them in cooperation. So we're imagining here a, a nation that's co collaborating just like the bird. And, and this is triggered by a hurtful nation in the mid-2020s where we see things getting worse. Because you will remember, we're coming from the GG plus, the worst case scenario. But at some point, you know, with all the shadow states and, you know, not, no consequences from the Zondo Commission assassination of, uh, of whistleblowers, then eventually society stands up because they are sick and tired. And this uh, social movement then, you know, rises up, much like in the 80s, where we saw the mass democratic movement that is led by faith-based uh, leaders, there's youthful uh, artistic expressions that come up with protest culture, the music speaks to that, they're challenging the state, you know, using 
all sorts of media, social media in particular, music that is produced is also speaking to that challenging to a point where even business starts feeling that maybe they should invest in these social movements because they are able to hold the state accountable. And eventually in the Weaver Nation, um, the state gets to account to a point where they are forced to write into law, you know, um, uh, a bill, for example, such as that of national service, much like, you know, in the 80s where there was conscription, but not that military type of conscription, but volunteer, a sense of volunteerism across the spectrum, whether it's in the medical field, education, and so on. So there's a serious grassroots demand that then challenges another wobbly coalition that has taken power, that is then forced to listen to the people. So eventually the substantial financing of even the just transition, you know, the strong economic development and more investment into youth development triggered by this national service. So what we see now is South Africans that are starting to work together more closely and emerging as a proud and hardworking, socially conscious nation, just like the Weaver Birds. So very briefly, um, because we're going to have to close off, but it's interesting because I suppose the question is, why um, why do we need scenarios? What is the what is the possibility, and what is the is the value of scenario planning? Well, scenario planning is useful for planning. I mean, mm. it, it it is very long term, but it helps to focus strategies because when we say for example as an organization you go into your strategic planning there's usually a a bit of short-sightedness where there's wishful thinking you look towards a vision that does not consider the reality of the context within which we are operating so it helps to paint a picture of the three different pathways that would impact on you as an organization as a community as a church and so on But uh, what it also helps to do is to uh, make sure that whatever plans we make, consider all these three different eventualities. There's no use in saying, oh, we want the weaver birds, so we're going to align our strategy towards youth and uh, volunteerism and artistic expression, whereas we are in reality faced with hadidas or the Mm -hmm. vultures. So you have to make sure that your plans consider all those three possibilities so that your plans are resilient to any eventuality. So if the weavers do not emerge as, you know, the trajectory, then your strategy can still be resilient if there were to be the vulture culture, you know, uh, environment that you have to thrive within or the hardiness. So what do you do? How do you mitigate? It then allows you to start creating a risk profile that you can ensure that should any of these things happen you can mitigate for them you can plan ahead for them so that is really the crux of it and it's also about your risk planning as well i mean you would like you would analyze your risk according to each one uh people are interested in having a look at these different scenarios where do they go to they must go to our website on uh, indralamiti.org.za they will find the website and also the barometer that uh, looks at the past uh, is also available there
That's Ulailua Kashekatia. She's the project lead of the Indlula Miti South Africa scenarios. Looking at 2035 and what South Africa could look like, the different scenarios, and you can get onto the website Indlula Miti, I-N-D-L-U-L-A-M-I-T-H-I. Which one is it going to be? The Hardida recrimination nation, the vulture culture with desperation nation, lots of uh, unemployed, huge unemployment organized crime or could we look at the weaver worker and the cooperation nation and how could we get there i see that um someone has said uh, what i see is the future is that no other generation will lead south africa because all these older generations they lead but not by good example they always fight and they're corrupt and this generation lives not might be the last because their wickedness is getting stronger